Uh, we're in a series right now, finishing up, uh, called Prayer That Works. So turn to the person next to you and say, Prayer That Works. No, you can do better than that. Turn to the person on the other side and say, Prayer That Works. There you go. And so we've been talking about the kind of prayer that actually works. And uh, if you've been a Christian any length of time or you're a new Christian, you wonder, does prayer really work? Is God up there? Hello, is there anybody up there? And so we've been in a three-part series on prayer that actually works. And we started that series by talking about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We talked about really prayer. All prayer is is us engaging God. It's just connecting with Him. It's communicating to Him. And we talked about how so many times when people start, when pastors start teaching on prayer, they immediately get you, it's like getting you in the gym and trying to get you to go to the biggest weights ever. I want all of you to commit to two hours of prayer a day. And you're like, yeah. And then, you know, after the first day of trying to lift that, you uh, realize that you can't lift that. And it's not even a part, you need to build to that spot. And we talked about that the first week. All of our, all of our messages are podcasts off of our website in audio format, so you can go back and catch those. If you weren't here. The second week or last week, we talked about the actual engagement with God. That prayer is more than just shooting up a text. And I was talking about how last week how this younger generation frustrates me so much because you guys multitask and your communication is snippets. It's 149 characteristics. And so and then you do that while you're doing ten other things. And so you'll text me because you don't want to engage with me. Because you want to drop that on me and then keep doing what you're doing and then wait for me to drop that back on you and then you'll stop what you're doing and have a little in- interaction and then go back. That's not prayer. Prayer is actually engaging God. It's actually having this moment where we interact. That way I can, he can read my body language. I, when I sit, I, I was at something recently with, with some folks and a bunch of young guys and we were sitting at dinner trying to have communication and uh, I took out of my lifetime, to, you know, the time in my life to go sit with them and engage and have communication. They, at the same time, were tweeting and texting and Facebooking, whatever else they were doing, the whole time on their phone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You had any friends like that? And all I wanted to do the whole time was go, wa-pow! I'm sitting here. What are you doing? If I, I could have saved time and been at home texting you back, you know, but I'm wanting to engage in relationship with you, to know you deeper. Come on, somebody. To interact with you. Come on, you still with me? And so that when you and I interact with the Lord, it's supposed to be an engagement. And I talked last week, we talked about why prayers don't get answered, some of the things. You can go back and listen to those. So today, as we jump in, I want to talk about, uh, today, I want to talk about communication styles. I'm going to stretch you a little bit doctrinally. I'm going to kind of, hopefully, I'm going to break you out of, uh, or we'll break out of some old uh, concepts, some old dead religion pieces. And I want to talk about uh, communication with the Lord, which is all prayer is supposed to be, and almost connected like we would communicate with a spouse or somebody we're really close with, okay? And so there are multiple styles of communication, and we want to go through a couple of those today, and we're going to end with praying in tongues, and that should be a great, wonderful experience, all right? So the first type of communication that I would tell you about is what I would call serious. And so when I, and, and I've identified that on the screen, as you're going through something major, and you and Jesus need to sit down now. Now, those of us that are married, those of us that have best friends, there are those moments where we're like, I need to talk to you now, okay, this is serious. Stop whatever you're doing. This is serious, and we need to talk. Anybody ever had one of those conversations this week maybe? Come on, somebody. And it's serious. Another moment can't pass. That is a portion of prayer communication. It's serious. Lord, I I can't go another day. I'm going to jump off a bridge. I'm going to stab somebody. Lord, we need to talk, and we need to talk now. That's a beautiful form of communication with the Lord. It's not the only form of communication with the Lord. 
And I, you know, I have people who are drama people in my life. And everything is, oh my God, right now. I hate to even use the OMG because, you know, they even use it so flippantly. But it's, right now, we have to talk. And then you sit down with them, and yeah, it was pretty important, but they go from drama moment to drama moment. And sometimes we have drama moments, and we need God. And that is a form of communication. That is a form of prayer that we're interacting very serious. But that's not the only style of communication. That's not the only interaction we should have. Are you with me? Say yes. Are you trying? But I like, look at Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. Jesus had a very serious prayer moment, and we see it in the garden right before he goes to the cross. And verse 44 of Luke chapter 22, and being in anguish, he what? He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. His He was so serious. And if you look back, what he's praying is, if you look at that passage a little more, he's saying, Lord, if there's any way, if there's any way this cup can pass, if if I don't have to go to the cross, just before I take this next step, if there's any way to change this, I will take plan B. If there's a plan B, I'll take it. That sounds almost embarrassing that Jesus would have a moment of humanity. Not at all. He's so serious, and the Bible lets us in on a serious communication between him and the Father. And that is a form of communication, but it's not the only one. Let's look at a second form of communication and interacting with the Lord, and that is number two, and that would be a form of passion communication. Passionate communication. And I identify this as urgent need for someone else, really, or as some would call it, intercession. And so, Lord, it's urgent right now. My dad's in the hospital. Father, I come before you right now in Jesus' name. And there's just this urgency to it. There's just this passion to it. It's a little different than the serious that I have this problem into. I'm actually interceding for someone else. I'm passionate about the needs of somebody else. And Jamie and I have that kind of communication all the time. We need to talk. There's a problem between you and me, and I need to talk to you about it. And this is going to be a long, drawn-out, serious conversation. Then there are those conversations that, hey, listen, Cohen's got this. This is happening right now on the spot. Pause everything. We've got to go help him. We gotta, we've got to put our attention there. See the different forms of communication. And the reason why I'm going down through this is because all of us come from different doc, uh, backgrounds. Some of us have, have different doctrinal backgrounds. Some of us were raised with mentalities that maybe uh, have some script, scriptural uh, relevance but maybe aren't complete concepts. And we need to kind of move into a further understanding of how to pray and how to interact with our God. Um, I was wicked. Uh, my family was wicked. I told somebody this weekend, prayer for, I mean, uh, Christmas for us was everybody getting drunk and, uh, and getting out in the front yard and getting in fights and the police coming. That was Christmas for my family. And uh, we were the best that white trash could ever offer. And so when I got saved, I got saved because the Church of Christ, thank you, Jesus, sent a bus around picking kids up to go to Sunday school. And I, and I, got, and I got saved. I got water baptized. Well, they trained me the way they prayed, prayed was like this. They stood in a circle. And the first person would start. I called it popcorn prayer because pop, and then the next one pop. And they, they would pray like this. And this is what their prayer uh, always looked like. Every time I was with them, whether it was, you know, at, at school or at church, it was like this. God, <clears throat> it's very contemplative, very serious. God, I need you. I need you to do this. And if you don't mind doing this. And then when they were finished, they would squeeze the hand. And so they squeezed the hand. So you knew, oh, it's my turn. Okay. And, uh, and if you didn't want to tell anybody about it, you said unspoken. And you squeezed the hand of the next person. And, and that's, uh, then, further in my Christian walk, we ended up in uh, an environment of a spirit-filled, charismatic environment. Well, they pray totally different. Are you with me? They pray 
like this one right here, this passionate thing, all the time. Oh, God, we just thank you right now. Holy Father, we just, oh, God. They would rock and do all this kind of stuff, and it's like, wow. We went from 20 miles an hour to 180 miles an hour. And the beauty of the way the charismatics all prayed was after an hour, you couldn't pray anymore because you didn't have a voice, <laughs> and you were toast. You're like, <sighs> it's like running a sprint, you know, but you, you ran three miles as fast as you could go and as quickly as you could get to it. And that was, so those are some of the extremes of the dynamics of a prayer communication route. And what I want to teach you today is that it's more than just maybe the way you were raised or what you potentially like so much, that you can have multiple uh, interactions of communication with your God, just like me and my wife have different styles of communication throughout the day. Are you with me? Say yes. I like in Acts chapter 12 talking about passion and the urgent need. It says that uh, when he, verse 12 of Acts 12, when, uh, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. All right, so this is where Peter gets in prison, and Herod's already killed James, the brother of Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 12, he goes, an angel lets him out of prison miraculously, walks him out of the prison supernaturally. They are all in prayer for him. Oh, God, we just thank you right now that you're just going to do a miracle for Peter. Oh, God. And they're all passionately interceding for him, and he knocks on the door. And the little girl runs to the door. Oh, it's Peter. They're in the, meanwhile, they're pray- she doesn't open the door. She runs back and says, hey, Peter's here. Our prayers are working. No, that can't be. And they keep praying. It's the funniest passage of Scripture. And finally she goes, no, I'm telling you. She goes and she lets them in. And they're all like, it actually works. Yeah, there's that passionate prayer. It works. There's that serious prayer. It works. And then here's another area or a type of prayer, type of communication. And that is private. Everybody say private. And private is where, Lord, no one can know this. This is where you want to express the truly deep things without anyone knowing. Now, Jamie and I have private communication. We have three children to prove it. We have private communication. It's a different than serious communication. <laughs> it's got some passionate communication, I guess, in there. But there's a privateness to our relationship. There should be a privateness to your relationship with the Lord. There should be a piece of your communication that's private. Oh, God, I don't want anyone to know this. I want to bear my soul to you. And, friend, I would teach you to find a place, a place, a war room, a place where you can get alone. No one can hear you. No one can see. And that's when, that's when now I'm telling you, that's when I'm banging on the floor going, uh, hitting my fist on the floor saying, why did you do this? Why did you abandon me, Lord? And there's this privateness where no one can know about what we're talking about because it's me bearing my soul. Oh, God. I can't stop this. I need you now. No one can hear this. No one can know this. Oh God, I doubt if you're even there. The privateness and the intersanctum, and nobody knows about, nobody communicates about. Jamie and I had that type of interaction, but we don't live in that type of interaction. Are you with me? I've been in, pe- in circles of uh, people who pray, and it's always about the privateness. It's always about the deep. It's weird. After a while, it's like, dude, can't you just talk to him like a buddy? No, because he's the Lord. He's the Lord. And he is. And that's beautiful. And that's true. And that's awesome. And and there needs to be private moments. But my communication is not limited to just serious communication. My communication is not just limited to passionate communication. My communication is not just limited to private communication. If it is, you're an un 
healthy, un, uh, you know, uh, uh, complete person because I don't even do that with my wife. And yet the Bible says that we were created in God's image. He created us in his image. So the fact that you have a passion about you for things, God put that in there. That's like God. The fact that you have a need to be very private and deep, he put that in there. Also, there's a part of us that's shallow and fun-loving and just goofy. He put that in there. When I first started interacting with the House of Prayer movement, you know, coming from Church of Christ where we were very contemplative in our prayer, and that's the way we approached the Lord to moving all the way over here with the charismatics where we yelled at God until he gave up and gave us what we wanted. And then I started interacting with the house of prayer guys. They're all deep and intimate. And they just sit there. First time I walked in their service, they were all sitting there. Music was playing. They're sitting there. And they were worship. They would worship a little bit. Then they would work on their laptop. Then they read their Bible. And they would sit there for hours just being intimate with the Lord crying and then laughing and then just sitting and thinking coming from the charismatic background I had just come from I was like this ain't prayer this is Starbucks what are you doing you ain't bound one devil yet and the devils are swirling around and you're sitting here just having latte with Jesus that's not prayer you know why because I had only known a couple of formats of communication it was all in I bind every devil in hell. I bind Wendy's. It's making me fat. I bind. Je- I I bind Jezebel. I don't know who she is, but I bind her. And we, and that's the that's. I'd come from very contemplative to everything's a demon to now. I'm sitting with the house of prayer guys, and they're just like they smoked too much weed and started praying. I mean, it's just like chill. And so then I'm like, all right, where's the balance in all of this? And I realized, and the Lord started showing me even in Scripture. That there's multiple forms of communication with him. That my, my interaction with him is not about a set form. And see, for some of you, the way you were raised, now, now you don't think that you're really praying until you've spent one hour on your knees at the altar. You don't feel like you have interacted with God unless you have bore your soul. And there are places for that. But if you do that every moment of the day, none of us would have jobs. Come on, somebody. And so that's why some of you are like, man, I ain't got time to pray. And that's why you use that excuse, because you think prayer is two hours. <sighs> God. And so I'm trying to teach you, no prayer that works has multiple styles of interaction, just like me and my wife have multiple styles of interaction, multiple formats, multiple types. And if you can get free from that today, you can realize that interacting with the Lord can happen every moment throughout the day. That you can have these moments. You pull aside and say, hey, let me, I just need a serious, come on, you and me, right? All right, what do you Okay, Lord, you got that, I got that, let's go. And you can have these different types of interaction, but always be interacting. Because if you think prayer is you finally making it up to the church for a prayer meeting, and you're waiting for Pastor Adam to create prayer meetings before you become a prayer person, that's why I'm not doing it. Because I want to teach you to interact with your God outside of a meeting that we put together. Because when the meetings are over, God's still there. And if you're waiting for a meeting, you'll never interact. That's like me waiting for someone to plan out date night before I interact with my wife. It's ludicrous. All throughout the day. Are you with me? Say yes. I'm sorry for being so passionate. I just can't stand dead religion. And I just can't stand for people to realize that not know that they are interacting with their God and how to do that in multiple ways. Okay? So here's the next piece that I would teach you. And that is fun. 
So I go from private to fun communication. You know you can have fun with Jesus? You know you can communicate to him? Do you understand that God put fun and the desire for fun inside of us? Do you know he loved his people, Israel, so much? He forced them to have seven parties a year. God planned out the party. And when the harvest comes in, you're going to party on that week. And when the next one, you're going to party on that week. We're going to eat. We're going to dance. We're going to sing. And you're going to do it because I said, okay, if you want. God put fun inside it. What Satan has done has twisted it. Oh, no, to have fun, you got you to you be drunk, man. Because if you, it, then you're uninhibited. Not at all. Not at all. He just twisted it. That's what he does. Did the Lord really say you shouldn't eat of that tree? Hmm. This is how he started from the very beginning. Taking what God said and manipulating it just a little bit. Just turn it just a little bit. Because to have fun, you got to do this and you got to do this. And it's got to have this attached to it. Who said that? My God is fun. Raising the dead is fun. Seriously. Hanging out with my friends and being godlike in the midst of it is fun. I love fun because... He created, I can have fun communication with him. I can enjoy laughing. Look at Psalms chapter 9 and verse 2 says. See, the Bible doesn't use the term fun. That's an English term that we use. It uses the word rejoice. To rejoice. To have joy again. To enjoy again. To have fun. We might could retranslate it as refund. Give back to me, devil, what you've been stealing. Refund. Anyway, all right, so here we go. Psalms 9 and verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Look at Psalms 89 and verse 15 and 16. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice. They have fun in your name all day long. They exalt in your righteousness. They have fun in you all day long. People are always telling me, man, you are so passionate. You just love life. Yes, I was wicked, destined for hell. He saved me. And I tell people, people are like, man, you know, you shouldn't act like that. I'll never forget I was at this pastor's meeting not so long ago, a few years back, and somebody who knew me back in the day said, man, you haven't changed a bit. You're a senior pastor now? I'm like, mm, I like myself. What would you want me to become? And then, then he caught himself, like, you know, because he expected me to be stoic. And dignitary. And I said, I loved life before I got saved. I love, really love life now that I am saved. And I'm not going to project a dead, trying to, trying to project, portray a, a, a diligence or being, a, you know, a, you know a, a represent the Lord well. Listen, let me, let me explain something to you about Jesus. Oh, if I could have oh, had a digital camera in his days. I promise you, I'm telling you, I talk to him about this all the time. Jesus had fun. I believe when they were in the rivers that Jesus was all of a sudden, when they're taking a bath, you know, they had to take a bath sometime. They didn't have public showers and they didn't have a mobile home, that they, you, know, a, a, you know, a big coach that they were, you know, going in and having their showers. So they're down in the river. I think Jesus every now and then picked up a thing of mud. Wapow! And I think they started mud fights. I think Jesus was constantly giving Peter super wedgies. I think it was the fun, most amazing thing. And in the midst of it, they're walking on water. Come on, somebody. Raising the dead, and they're having a blast. When we communicate to the Lord, it's silly for you to always need to be so serious. Oh, God, I'm here again. I know my sin stands in the way of us. 
Man, listen, you're killing yourself, man. Listen, if you ever see me driving up 67 early in the morning, me and Jesus are laughing. We're telling jokes. I used to put on Christian rap. You like that one? Ah, ah, come on, Jesus. Ah, Jesus. That's about Jesus. Yeah. Ah, ah. And I let go of the steering wheel. People beside me like, oh, my God. That guy's lost his mind. I have learned to rejoice. I've learned to have fun in my communication. Not, I have serious, very serious. I have intimate, very intimate. But I also know how to have fun communication. See, you've limited yourself to one or two of these and you don't understand that to be a complete communicator, you need to have multiple ways of communication. And God made you with multiple pieces inside of you. And he wants you to have That's why dead religion says you cannot have fun in God. You can't. We were delivered out of that. No, you were delivered out of sin. Not delivered out of enjoyment. Otherwise, what do you think heaven's going to be? Ooh. Man, shoot me now. If that's what we're doing, I'm out. That's why all my lost friends are like, dude, I ain't going to heaven. No way, man. I'm going to party in hell. Oh, no, no, sir. You are very mistaken. Your flesh will be melted off every day and then somehow grow back. What? Yes. Eternal darkness. Do you understand? It ain't going to be no party. I'm telling you. You and Metallica aren't going to be down there. That's not going to happen. You're going to be doing that, but it's because beatings and whippings are on your back. No more than heaven's going to be. He created joy. Come on now. He put inside of you. I plan on skydiving the moment I get there. In fact, that's how I'm going to get there. Skydiving is going to be awesome. I've already, we've already talked about it. My bed literally is a roller coaster. When I wake up, it's going to be. And it's going to take me to the shower. It's going to look. I won't even have to take all my clothes. It's going to power shower me. And then from there, whoa, I'm all around heaven. I've already talked to Jesus about, I've got to have, you know, I'm from Louisiana, we love to fish. There are going to be big mouth bass in my lake, in my backyard, the size of buses. We've already talked about it. I'm going to be able to dunk in heaven. Come on, somebody, I'm telling you that right now. We've already talked about it. Here's the next type of communication, and that is working communication. Getting the job done. Listen, Jamie and I do date night. Jamie and I have intimacy Jamie and I have, have passionate communication when we're trying to help our family, help others. Then there's that moment in the day that it's just simply, hey, can you go grab Mariah right now? Her game is about to be over. I got caught up over here being city councilwoman, serving this city, not getting paid enough for it, but I just love it. Just plug for my wife who's up for re-election. Anyway, and so and can you go get her? And it's, it's not intimate. Come on now. It's not fun. It's not gloriously passionate it's just work God throughout the day drops things on me hey I need you to do this right now I drop things on him all the time throughout the day Lord I need this right now I'm about to walk in a business meeting I don't know what I'm doing God I need you right now to give me favor it's not intimate it's not long and laid out I'm not praying the apostles prayer I'm not doing I'm not doing the Lord's prayer I'm not grabbing something out of Psalms and quoting it over and over to grab his attention it's work communication are you with me and that is good just as much as intimacy is good just as much just as much as passionate prayer is good just as much as private is good are you with me say yes and if you learn that you can communicate to him in different formats in different ways throughout your day then you'll always be engaging And the goal of prayer is to engage God. 
not to throw little prayers out there, but to engage him. Are you with me? Say yes. All right. You still there? Are you sure? <clears throat> All right. And then how about this next one? Number six is public communication. Now, in the environment I grew up in, we didn't pray publicly. We didn't pray because our relationship is private. It's a private relationship. Can I just say this to you? That would be like me and my wife having a private relationship and not having a public relationship. That'd be like you meeting me and seeing me in the mall, hundreds of people walking by, and I keep my wife behind me because we have a private relationship and private communication, and I would never want to communicate to her in public in front of you because I don't want to be embarrassed that we have a private relationship. And the Bible says it like this, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. That's how he says it. And so all the time, I would do this when, you're, when I see you in a mall. Hey, do you know my wife, Jamie? Because I'm proud of her. I, want, I, I communicate to her in front of you and you in front, in front of her. And there's this communication thing happening. That's what public prayer is. And there needs to be public prayer. We need more of it. It's been stripped away from our schools, but we need more of it. We need to be able to stand for our God and say, God, you are the God of heaven and earth in front of everybody here. Lord, I declare that you are the king of glory. And the, Shet, and, and, and the three Hebrew boys that refused to bow, that was public. They stood up and said our God is the living God we will not bow to you Nebuchadnezzar we will not go to that golden calf that golden idol and bow our knee to it because our God is the living God and when they throw threw him in the fire it says there what did we throw three of them in there yeah well there's a fourth one who looks like the son of man he looks like the fire God in the midst of them let me tell you something if you will experience the Lord publicly as much as you do privately he will be right there in the midst of it even if people don't like it How sad for you and I to be ashamed of him and call it a private relationship. I don't just have a private relationship with my wife. I have a public relationship. I don't deny her in front of you. I'm not ashamed of her publicly. She's the greatest thing that ever happened to me outside of Jesus. And the same thing ought to be for you. You ought to be so excited. that Many times I'll be standing there at, at Walmart or something, and someone, I'll get to talking to someone, and they'll start saying, you know, yeah, I nah, just not had a good day. Can I pray for you real quick publicly? In the name of Jesus, I grab their hand. They're like, oh, I grab their hand. Hey, can I just, let, Father, in Jesus' name, you're the only God who can fix this. There's nobody else. Nothing else can work. In Jesus' name. And I'll pray for them right there. Bam, publicly. There's nothing wrong with that unless you force your will on somebody when you shouldn't. And the third, excuse me, the seventh and final piece that I would teach you, and I would be remiss as a pastor not to teach you this last and final piece. For some people, it's a little awkward, but I have enough life experience, enough theology to help you with it. And so the last and final place of communicating with the Lord that I would call is tongues, praying in other tongues. And I identify that in this this teaching as a personal prayer language that that can be used at any time, at any time. A personal prayer language, tongues, praying in tongues. I'm going to help you with that. If you struggle with believing that tongues is accurate or legitimate or that it's not just sensationalism, I want to help you with this. Um, how many of you read the Bible in the room? You read the Bible. How many believe the Bible is the Word of God? Amen. Put your hands down. Let me just help you with this. Do you know that two-thirds of your, bi- uh, two-thirds of your New Testament was written by, by Paul? God, empowered Paul, spoke to him, and he wrote what you call Holy Scripture, what I call Holy Scripture, two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you know Paul prayed in tongues? Do you understand it? First, First Corinthians chapter 14, he says, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. Do you understand that the other writers of the New Testament books, except for Hebrew, we're not 100% sure who wrote those, but most of those were all apostles? Peter, John, do you know they were there at the day of Pentecost? And all of them received the Holy Spirit and prayed in other tongues. Luke, disciple of Paul, 
obviously would be praying in tongues because same thing he did with Timothy. He said, stir up the gift that, that you received when I laid my hands on you. Same thing he would have done with Luke. So what we're talking about is what you consider holy scripture. What I consider holy scripture were penned by men who prayed in tongues. The problem is 2,000 years later, there's been so much foolishness and so much junk and so much ignorance that we're all like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I saw that thing on the internet. I saw that Condolindi thing. That was crazy, man. I don't know. I saw that guy push that guy. He pushed that guy. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, he did. And the whole time he was going, peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter, jelly. <laughs> yes, he did. I know I saw that. And I'm standing there testifying with you. Yeah, that ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right. But the problem with that whole where we find ourselves now is it doesn't negate that God himself gave us the opportunity to communicate with him in a new tongue. He said, hmm, I don't know if I believe that. Well, let's take you to his holy scripture. It's in red lettering in your Bible probably, Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, as Jesus is talking about his disciples, those who believe in him. If you believe in Jesus, say me. You can do better now. If you believe in Jesus, say me. Verse 17 of Mark chapter 16, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Oh, you said that was you, so you can just put your name in there. And these signs will accompany Adam. In my name, Adam will drive out demons. Adam will speak in new tongues. Uh What? Doesn't he know that that's fake? Doesn't he know that's made up by a bunch of charismaniacs? In my name, they will speak in new new tongues. They will pick up up snakes with their hands. Now, we're not going to start a snake picking up ministry. The only snake I like is a dead snake. The only time I pick him up is after his head somewhere else. Separated from the rest of him. Come on, Jesus. And when they drink deadly poison, not if, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's why we let the congregation pray for the congregation in our times. Because we believe, you're a believer, that you should be doing this. We understand that the Bible also teaches us when someone's sick amongst you, call for the elders to bring them forward and lay hands on them. But we also, also acknowledge this piece, that believers can lay hands on sick people and they can get well. And we're empowering us to be like Christ. So friend, listen to me. I understand there's been foolishness. You've got you to trust the Lord and what he says in Scripture. There is as much... And I listen, I have studied this, I have fought this, I've gone back and forth. I listen, I have fought it out with folks who who have so much explanations, explaining away scriptures. But you cannot deny that in the New Testament, they prayed in other tongues. You can't get past it. So then what your argument has to be is that that was just to birth the church, it wasn't to sustain the church. Really? Let's talk about that logic for a little bit. He just wanted to birth the church, but he didn't want you to have the strength and the power and the beautiful gift to continue on. And so he just gave it to our great, 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 great spiritual grandparents, but not to us. He's so mean. And so then what we have to grapple with is, so why didn't I receive? You need to come to our getaway where you can hear my testimony about this and where I can get into the theology of this and help you with that, which we just had a couple, a couple weeks back. And those that attended that came up to me and said, that helped me so much. All the things that I've studied, what a denomination I came out of, oh my goodness, that was so good. Thank you, Pastor. It's helped me to understand, helped me to receive. We don't have time for that today. I just want to make the point that not only do I pray in English, 
for you guys that pray in Spanish or Portuguese, but also he will afford you to pray in other tongues so that you have a direct connection with him and communicate things and truths and mysteries that you don't even know of. And so let's get into that, praying in other tongues. What does it do for us? And let me give you a couple thoughts. Um, uh, first thing, uh, these signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. So the first piece that I would acknowledge to you is that this is for believers. Praying in tongues is for believers. I want to show you this video clip of this woman who uh, prayed in tongues over her son uh, uh, after he had been dead for 45 minutes. Go ahead and play that for me. Come on. Give yourself, give that woman a hand. You can go search that out on the web where she actually talks about, I was praying in tongues over that boy and he came back to life. And I didn't have time to get that whole footage for you, so I just cut the little highlights of it. I want you to know that when you and I pray in tongues, we surge in the power that has been accessible for us by way of the Holy Spirit. And so what I see the tongues is as a vehicle to not just stir the Holy Spirit, but actually interact with the Lord our God. And so let me, let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. And number one, it helps us pray God's will. Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And, we, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with Christ's will. So he helps us pray according to God's will. So whenever I pray in other tongues, actually I am able to access the will of God and begin to pray because the Holy Spirit inside of me begins to pray through me, literally takes over the microphone, if you will, almost, as I'm praying in the Spirit and praying in other tongues and literally begins to give me the understanding to pray God's will. And I begin to pray God's will through that process. Here's the second thing that will help you do, and that is it will reveal the secrets of God to us, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10. It says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? The same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So the secrets of God, the things that carnal nature cannot grasp, the things that my flesh do not understand. How in the world can a boy who was under the ice for 15 minutes then attempted to resuscitate him for another 30 minutes all of a sudden come back to life when mama walks in the room and starts praying in tongues? I know that'll make no sense to me. So then what we have, not to my carnal side. So then we, I have to somehow justify it. Well, he, it, it slowed his heart down. He wasn't really dead. He was just half frozen. And I start having to do all that. And then the medical guys go, uh, uh, no, he was dead. I'm just telling you, he was dead. He wasn't swooning. He wasn't, you know, frozen and de-thawed. He was dead. As, not only that, but after, what, 10 minutes, uh, of, you don't have any more brain activity. After not having that, because there's no oxygen going, then you're brain dead for life. Even if they can get your heart back going. Medical personnel will tell you that left and right. And so how does that happen? I don't get it in my natural. I only get it in my spiritual. Because I understand that, that the secret things of God are not revealed to man except by the Spirit. I understand that according to Scripture. And this says that when I pray, when I pray in the Spirit, He begins to reveal the secret things of God. And I believe firmly that if you and I will get past our hang-ups and we just start praying in tongues again and we just allow that to flow through us and ask for it and say, God, I want it. It doesn't, listen, can you understand? I want you to understand, praying in tongues doesn't get you to heaven. Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior gets you to heaven. Praying in tongues is not, a, is not, is not a, a, a qualification, even in my mind, for being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus, His Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. I see clearly a baptismal in the Holy Spirit. I see clearly a second experience. And then when they got baptismal or fully immersed in the Holy Spirit, there was a boldness. And Jesus said, go and you shall receive 
power. The goal of the Holy Spirit in our life is first that we would be redeemed. It's redemption. And then secondly, that you and I would be empowered. And so when empowerment comes, then there's this beautiful expression. And we see it just every time in the book of Acts that they prayed in other tongues and they prophesied. So praying in tongues is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And does, so, so, Pastor, am I, am I not baptized in the Holy Spirit if I don't pray in tongues? Listen, if you have the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit active, then there's something powerful happening in you. You just got to get past the strongholds of praying out in tongues, which is what I had. And you can hear that testimony. Again, if you'll go to our next getaway and just a few weeks away, please pay attention for that. With that, let's move on to the next thing that praying in other tongues does for us, according to Scripture. And that is Jude, verse 20. There's not a chapter because there's only one chapter. But you, dear friends, verse 20, Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. What is that? Praying in tongues. Listen, when you and I begin to pray in the Spirit, what happens is, we, according to Scripture, we begin to build ourselves up. Pow, pow, pow. I know it looks a little weak with the little ones, but that's okay. That's where I'm starting at. Pow, pow. Because you've got to understand that each of us have a flesh, sinful man, and we have a, as Christians, we've now been renewed in our spirit. We have a spirit man and a flesh man, and they're at battle within us. Paul, again, one of the greatest theologians, the guy who had the greatest transformation ever, it seems like, in the book of Acts, he, he, he had this amazing transformation in Jesus. He, he, had, he had chased after Christians. He tried to kill them, and so forth and so on. And he has this encounter with Jesus. He gets saved. He follows Christ. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then this man is a, is a hero for God. Years into his Christian walk, you can find this in the book of Romans, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this fleshly man? The things I don't want to do, oh, I do that. The things I say I'm going to do, I don't do. Oh, I'm such a wretched man. He's talking about his flesh man. Because at the same time, he's writing Holy Scripture. What's happening is, and you and I, we have a battle between our flesh, the way that we were raised, the way that we are sinful, and our spirit that now we're renewed. And now all of a sudden, I know that that's bad, like Paul said. I know that's wrong because I'm now full of Jesus. But the problem is, I don't have any power to overcome it. And this passage says, but building ourselves up in our most holy faith. When you and I get some good spiritual muscles, we'll say to that cocaine, I don't think so. No, sir. We'll say to that anger and that hatred, it's already gone. Don't even try to come back. Why, pow! Why, pow! Because we got some spiritual muscles. I think I could whoop just about every man in this room until I stand next to you and see how many muscles you got. And I'm like, man, let, can, we, can, we, can we talk about this? Let's, uh, let's find a way. That's what compromise is. You're compromising with your flesh because it's bigger than your spirit because you put more attention in what you watch on TV. Ooh, ooh, feeding that, working that out. Pow, pow. Ooh, yeah, baby. I can, tell, I can find that on the web quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know what to say there. I know what to do. Pow. I know how to manipulate that situation. Pow. I've done that all my life. Pow. And then the spirit is like, I'm so sorry. I will help you. Oh, you're killing me. You and I pray in the spirit. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I'm going to get you. Ooh, that sounded good. It sounded like I was starting my motorcycle. Come on, somebody. You know, mine sounds like this. Anyway, I want you to grasp this concept, and that is this, that when you and I pray in tongues, it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's the gift from the Lord. It's a beautiful. We see a couple things. It reveals the secrets of heaven to us. Uh, we, we begin to understand the will and nature of God as we pray in tongues. According to this passage in verse 20 of Jude, it actually builds us up. You look in, if you look for me throughout the day and you can't find me, I'm probably somewhere praying in other tongues. And I do that because I understand a spiritual truth. 
you need your pastor not to be a little sissy. Come on, somebody. You need to know if he prays for you, it's going to happen. And so as a result, I, I can't be sitting over here living and feeding the flesh. I need to be building up the spirit man inside of me. And I learned that the most powerful way to go about that, according to the scripture, is to begin to pray. And I thank the Lord for it. I, I'm so grateful for it. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven if you don't. I just want to encourage you that there are multiple ways to communicate to the Lord. And one of the most powerful prayer that works is when you and I pray in tongues. And you say, well, I don't know. I've not received that yet. They, they pushed on me when I was a kid. And I said, no more. I'm not going to have that. Or I grew up in an environment that told, told me that was the devil. I get all that. And, 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 and I pray that today that at least you could trust me enough in the scriptures that are brought out to understand that there is a better argument for the fact that the Lord sent that, the Lord wants you to have that, and that if you would just begin to open your heart up to it, that when the moment is right and when you have faith for it, you'll receive it and you'll start building in ways that you never built before. That's all I want to bring out to you today as a good pastor and someone who loves you and cares about you. Isn't that good? Say yes. Amen. Amen. Won't, you, won't you stand with me all across the room?